Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and jhicks042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. It is the one and only, the one and only in the scope podcast with your boy Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. And like I always do, I bring my hitters with me. And this one is a hitter. He's a real, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. He is producer for ESPN Chicago, ESPN 1000, ESPN Radio, the full works, as well as the co-host of his podcast, according to sources. Everybody give it up for my guy, Sean Davis. Sean. How you doing, my mans? Man, thanks for welcoming me in. Oh, it's about time, man. I was waiting for the invite <laughs> to come talk to my boy Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. Just, just want to give you your flowers on everything you've been doing, man. I've been watching you doing great things, and I know the future is bright. No, I really appreciate that, man. For real, I had to, you know, obviously make my way this, especially this year, to get more of more of my people on the show, man. Because you know, all y'all doing great stuff, and y'all got some great intel, and as someone like you that's that's in these ranks you know to hear those things from you is really a, a big deal and i really appreciate that for real absolutely it's all love for sure let's let's dive in though man because we got a lot of a lot of uh talk that's been taking place this week um but especially let's start off with the bulls man because obviously um starting off in this season we know the new the new regime came in you got a you got a pretty much the same roster as last year with a couple of different veterans and you just wanted to figure out, you know, as a team, they wanted to figure out basically what this team is going to look like, what to keep, what to get rid of. So that way next year when you get this full cap space and the free agency pool is a little bit more uh, in depth, you know, you can really make some big moves in big, in big ways. And even in draft wise as well, the 2021 draft looking to, look, looking to be a lot more in depth and deeper than this past 2020 draft. The Bulls so far to me, they kind of been surprising. And I say it's surprising because of the fact that, they're actually excitable to watch. Like yeah. we can actually watch the game and yeah. be like, "Dang, this is actually very entertaining." They actually somewhat know basketball. What just so just so far in general, what has stood out to you to most regarding this Bulls team? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll echo the sentiments that you just shared. I'm pleasantly surprised with what I've seen. Definitely a more entertaining product to watch on a daily basis or a game by game basis. Uh, I did predict or I felt like they would get into the play-in to get into the playoffs and possibly get that eight seed. I thought they had enough talent. Uh, One of the things that I was worried about, and I said this before the season, you know, anytime you have a core injury the way that Wendell Carter did, I wonder whether or not you'll ever be healthy. And once again, we see 
he's going to miss significant time with the Chicago Bulls, you know, and it's just sad because I believe for defensively, they missed him. And he Paul back there to protect the rim for their defense, especially the way he plays the pick and roll and he's able to move his feet and guard smaller guards and also uh, perimeter players. So that's a big loss. Uh, Gafford is a great defensive energy player, but I just don't see him really meshing with the starters. And I think that's one of the things the starters have had to get used to, him being in the starting lineup. You saw the switch that was made by Billy Donovan with the starting lineup, taking Gafford out. And then recently we've seen Pat Williams kind of taper off. I don't know if it's a rookie wall per se, but uh, you know, you're talking about a kid that wasn't a starter in college and didn't play significant minutes. And now he's playing significant minutes in the NBA. So that's a tall task to ask of a young man while he's learning the NBA game and trying to catch the speed. But I'm pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with him and his development. And I think he'll get his second win and continue to grow and become the player that we all think he's going to end up becoming. I think that was a sneaky pick, a sneaky good pick uh, by AK and Mark Eversley. So, man, I echo your sentiments. I think this team is fun to watch. But just like we're watching in the political realm, when you come to the Chicago Bulls, anytime a new regime comes in, you have to spend the majority of your time cleaning up the mess of the previous regime. And I think that's what we're seeing. And unfortunately, in two years, I don't know if 80% of this roster will even be here, honestly. And that's the key. That's what, and that's why this this year is such a pivotal year for the Bulls because once they, this is like the year they're supposed to figure out who who is the core foundation that's going to take this group to the next level. Right. And honestly, we 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 have no idea because health has always been a plague for the Bulls. Yeah. And Wendell Carter, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, is out again, and it's so bad that we're bringing back Felicio. I mean, I don't know, Felicio. <laughs> look. I don't know what he has, man. Pictures on somebody. Um, I don't know. I have no clue why this young man was able to secure the, the contract he was able to secure. And you like the kid because he's really a try-hard kid, but he's just not good enough. He's just not good enough on this level. And he he's really nice. He's a really nice guy, man. If you get a chance to talk to him in the tunnels when everything opens back up, he's a really nice kid, good interview but I just don't think he's talented enough to stay on this level and uh, produce at a consistent level the way you need someone off the bench, especially as a big in this league where you have to be more diverse as a big man now in today's NBA. That That's very true. And I think because of that, and the Bulls currently lacking at least an actual true center outside of Wendell Carter and yeah. maybe in Gafford, you have to, there's, there's going to be a huge call, tall task now for more veteran leadership like Thaddeus Young, who has played very, you know, relatively, relatively well under Billy Donovan. And you, and if you put him more at the five or four or five-ish, when you're talking about Laurie Marketing, it has some spurts, but it also has some setbacks because yeah. Marketing defensively is just not that type of guy. And you have to wonder where where are the Bulls going to move direction wise to fill that hole that Wendell Carter carries so well. Yeah, it's it's funny because you check out the Bulls defensively. Like, if you move Laurie to the five, then of course your defense suffer, suffers. Right, you're not able to protect the rim as much. And the same trend that they had last year under Jim Boylan 
it's gotten a little bit better uh, numbers wise, but the trend is the same. And that trend is defensively, they are better against teams that shoot the ball 10 seconds and under. Teams that play at a faster pace, the Bulls defensive numbers are better. Teams that play at a slower pace that take their time and make the Bulls defend two, three times through the plays, they usually get what they want because that Bulls defense breaks down eventually. Like they're good initially defensively, but when they're forced to have to defend for 15 to 20 seconds, you start to see those breakdowns, especially with the drive and kick and leaving open shooters at the three-point line. So even though the numbers are better, they're not as bad as they were last year, that trend is the same under Billy Donovan. Uh, the veterans you talked about, they've been great, but you can't expect them. They are who they are. Like Thaddeus Young is who he is. He's a good role guy. You know, I said before the season, he's going to give you a good week, and then you'll be looking for him the next week. Like you're putting them on the back of a milk carton and then Garrett Temple, you know, he's getting hitting big threes late in games, you know, two or three games consistently playing good defense, good veteran leadership for your youngsters. But when you need him to produce against the Lakers, you need to step up. Where is he at? When you need him to produce against the Boston Celtics and step up when your youngsters are producing, when Pat Williams has tapered, tapered off a little bit, Kobe isn't, is in a slump. Where are these guys? They don't step up. Why? Because they're role players and role players have the general up and downs during the season in the NBA. And right now, the only dog to use that phrase, which is somebody that consistently is going to come out and give you buckets and go at you. I really only see one of those guys on this team. That's it. And that's Zach Levine, you know, and he has that mentality. I just don't see that mentality with everybody else. So, you know, the job that Billy Donovan has done is commendable. I think we definitely see the difference in this team and the youngsters and the coaching that they're getting. But, you know, going into the second half, Josh, I think what I want to see more than wins is attitude from some of these players. I, I want to see an attitude change in Laurie. I want to see an attitude change in Kobe. I want to see a little trash talk. I want to see them getting up in the faces of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. It's easy to talk trash to PJ Washington and Devontae Graham and the Charlotte Hornets. It's easy to talk trash to them. But when you go up against these really good teams, I don't need you bagging down. I need you to let them know we're coming. Yeah, you might be better than us right now, but we're coming and we're not scared of you. And I want to see that type of infectious attitude that Zach Levine has. I want to see it grab a hold of some of the other players, especially the core players that we're trying to see whether or not they're going to be around the next two to three years. And that's a very good point to have, because um, at the end of the day, that I think that's what helped make OKC the Thunder, especially last year, be that much more successful than they originally planned, because yeah. they had a Chris Paul that brought that attitude, attitude. how to galvanize that yeah. team together. So that way they were able to thrive the way that they did. Now you're talking, you're asking Zach Levine to take on that type of role where he's still pretty much learning that same thing. And you're pretty much handing Kobe White the keys to say, Hey, run this thing, run the ship. And, and it's so, it's, it's so unfair. Like, and people might not agree with this, but I take a step back and I've been looking at this recently and I'm like, man, 
it's kind of unfair. We're asking Zach Levine to, to do a lot, right? We, we ask him to be the dog, to go out there and put up 30. Then we say, wait, don't put up 30. We need you to distribute more. We need you to get other guys involved. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Now we need you to defend. We need you to be one of the best defenders on the court. And like, we're asking all of this is Zach Levine. And I take a step back and say, what are you asking the other guys to do? What, what's the responsibility and accountability for everybody else? What are the bullet points for every other player on this roster when they go out and play, right? What are you expecting from Kobe? Are you expecting Kobe to defend the same way? Are you expecting Larry to step up and improve and defend the same way? And I just think a lot of coal has been dumped on Zach Levine this season to say, you know, if we lose, Zach Levine didn't play good enough. If we win, oh, Zach's playing winning ball. It's like, wait a minute, man. One I know for sure, the last three seasons, action all, bad front office and all. Zach has gone out and played hard and has gone at the best. It doesn't matter who's wearing the other jersey or who's in the other jersey, superstar or not, he's trying to take their heads off. And if you don't like the outcome, that's fine. But you have to be in agreement with the attitude he has. He wants to win. And he needs other guys around him that have similar attitudes that want to win. It doesn't matter how you construct it or how you do it. Just get the job done. That's it. Just get the job done. And I think, man, hopefully that's what we see. We see the attitude change in the second half of the season. Yeah, that's a, that, that, that's a strong point. And the fact that, you know, you talk about Zach Levine needs some help. I mean, there is one guy that's going through these ups and downs, too, where he's at. And he's pretty much ready to jump ship, too. Yeah. Uh, and Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, man, what what's going on in Washington is I think we saw it coming. I think we saw it coming. And, you know, they tried to save it with the acquisition of Russell Westbrook and, and hoping that a renewal – uh, with his once uh, one-time coach in OKC would kind of help the situation, rejuvenate his career, and uh, make Bradley Beal feel like that the organization is really trying to put something around him, along with Rui Hachimura, who had a surprising rookie year, uh, was kind of injured early in the year. But at this point, the way things are going, you know, I don't know if they have the assets to go and make a deal for Bradley Beal. Uh, trade deadline is coming up soon. Somebody's going to make offer someone. And I wouldn't be shocked. I'm going to be honest, man. I wouldn't be shocked if you see the Lakers like sniffing around. I really wouldn't be shocked the way that THT is playing. You know, Contavious Caldwell Pope, maybe some draft picks. I, yo, if they sniffed around and got Bradley Beal to add to LeBron and uh, AD, shh. Along with Schroeder, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that type of deal being done. But um, if not, then he walks. You know, he ends up walking, and he goes to the team that he wants to go to. It's, that's part of the business, man. Sometimes you have to endure and suffer some things that you don't like, but eventually you get your opportunity to go to a spot that you feel like is more beneficial for you. Do you think the Bulls may actually consider – an option of bringing Bradley Beal there just because, I mean, the, the ideal situation for him can be there when you're talking about him playing with another guy if they don't have to trade Zach Levine. You know, you had him right. pairing him with Zach Levine in that backcourt. Right. He already got the approval of Billy Donovan because he coached him. 
he, he coached him in college. That the connection is there. He has high regard for, for Billy Donovan. And, you know, Arturis Karnisavis and Mark Eversley have proven that even though they may not make no deals, they'll silently make calls. They will silently yeah. intrigue on yeah. ideas like this. Do you think they will actually maybe consider that type of idea come the de- come the trade deadline, especially if they already know some of these guys ain't going to be here. So maybe we should get some type of compensation for those players. You know what? I wish I could go sneak in the offices of AK and Mark Eversley for you and like read the confidential files, man, the G5 classifieds to know what they really want this team to look like in two (laughs) years, right? And then I could be able to give you like the perfect answer for that. I would love to see Bradley Bill in a Bulls uniform. I think as most Bulls fans would, but it's all about their vision. And it's something we won't know until we actually start to see it, you know, kind of manifest itself. And we say, ah, that's what they look, that's what they're looking for. And that's what they want in this team. I think if we look at Patrick Williams, we see they want young, athletic, long, uh, versatile players. Uh, Is that Bradley Bill? Not really. You know, if you bring Bradley Bill in, now is Zach being moved to the three? Are you asking them to play the three? Or are you just saying we're going positionless basketball and just getting the best talent we can? And if you get those two players, then who are you getting in return to protect the rim? Or is it a three-way deal? Because, I mean, if you're going to go out and get Bradley Bill, you're trying to make a quick jump. You're, like, trying to jump from that play-in to, like, four or five in the East to be competitive. That's why you make a deal like that. You don't make a deal like that to still be in the play-in and still develop. You go get Bradley Bill if you feel like you can make a jump to get to that four or five range in the East and be competitive. Uh, So I don't know if they're gonna make that deal. Like I said, man, when you have a new regime, it's all about the cleanup. And I think the cleanup based upon what we saw and experienced with Boylan and Hoiberg and Garpax, man, I think the cleanup is a much larger task than we ever could anticipate or think. And I think they're going through that process. And I think it was more than they really anticipated. I think they came into the situation looking at the rosters, expecting that these young players might be a little bit better than they performed under the previous regime. And I think they're starting to see like, you know what? Man, maybe it wasn't all Jim Boylan. Maybe these guys just don't have it. So, you know, personally, I'm going to be honest. Personally, Jay, I wouldn't make the deal. That's just me. If I'm if I'm Mark Eversley and I'm AK, I would make the deal. I would have faith in my vision and just go ahead and go to work over the next one or two years to get to where I want this team to be at. There was a recent article that came out, I want to say a week or two ago, from Joe Coley of the Chicago Sun-Times basically saying, yeah, it's time to get rid of Zach Levine. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what you traded, my man. Yeah. Zach yeah. Levine, yeah. like you like you talked about before, he's a stone-cold killer. He's an assassin. And yeah. he's shown that every year he has improved in all facets of the numbers. I mean, he's averaging almost 30 right now with, with I want to, with, you know, five assists, five rebounds. He's playing at a top tier level, yeah. In the situation that he's in, and the fact that even last year, the way he performed, he he was getting all star bids, even though he didn't make the all star team, he was right. getting the votes. He was in the, he was in the runner up selections of that of that you know the all star team. So 
do you do the Bulls do the Bulls really continue to obviously make adjustments to this team, but really make Zach Levine the number one guy as the franchise player? Yeah. Or do you say, Zach Levine, you are good, and right now you're on a pretty nice deal. Let's work out these next couple of years, see if you can bring in another top-tier talent or superstar to pair with you so that way you won't have to be the number one, but you'll be a good, you'll be a damn good 1A. Like, how, how do you think that should work with Zach Levine? Yeah. Uh, first, I'll say this. There's two ways you can go about this, right? I mean, if you're trying to move Zach Levine because you feel like you can get set yourself up for two of the most impactful drafts that will be in 21 and then in 2022, the talent and the depth in these next two drafts definitely give you a, an opportunity if you're a team that's rebuilding to make strides quickly in the NBA with if you get the right talent. I mean, if you can go and get like, let's just say the Bulls go and snatch Jalen Suggs in this draft. Like, yo, he's the perfect compliment to Zach Levine. Like, you're good for the next five to seven years. Kobe can go to the bench, come off and be your scorer off the bench. He's very comfortable. He doesn't worry about ha having to get others involved. And you start to build from there. Um, but if you trade Zach, he's not there, of course. You know, if you stay where you are, you might be able to get up into the lottery and pair a guy like Jalen Suggs with Zach. So if you trade him, you take away that opportunity. Uh, if you trade him to get another pick, to get further up in the draft, to solidify that you might get a guy like that instead of taking, taking your chances in the lottery, I can understand that. I, I, can, I can understand that. I don't know if they'll do that, but I can understand that. If you're just getting rid of Zach Levine because – you know, you're falling for the low-hanging fruit and you just want to grab the narrative that, yeah, he has he's averaging almost 35 and 5, but he doesn't play winning basketball. Then I have to ask you, what is winning basketball? Like, because the last I checked, when I go to the local gym or I'm playing pickup basketball and the best dude is on the team and they get to game point and they're four to six points behind, that dude is taking every shot trying to get back in the game because obviously him trying to let everybody else and play team ball wasn't working so when i look at the lakers game like zach spent the beginning of the game trying to get everybody involved they fall behind double digits and then zach goes like extremely aggressive and hard i think kobe got in foul trouble early in the game so his sidekick is on the bench gafford is in the middle so you're already hurt offensively in the starting lineup and Zach gets very aggressive, and all of a sudden, I see these tweets. There's Zach not playing winning basketball. It's like, what? He's doing what a star does. He tries to get his team back in the game. And if he goes down, he goes down shooting. So I think this narrative that a lot of people are trying to grab that, you know, Zach Levine's, his numbers are empty calories, and, man, he doesn't play winning basketball. Man, that's... You know, that's all for clicks and just to get attention. Like, the man is a dog. He wants to win. And I think he'll do anything he has to do and be – he's coached. It's nothing else you can ask from this young man. So if they don't want to keep him on the cheap and work something out and keep him in the core, because even if he's your second best player, that's a darn good team. And if you can get two players better than him and he's your third best player – 
now you're talking about a championship contender. Now you're talking about going deep into the summer and going like up until a week before the NBA draft, which is the NBA finals. That's the type of team you're talking about. So I'm with you. You know, you can get him at 18 mil or maybe increase him a little bit to about 22, 23 a year. And you can keep him an ad by all means do it because what I see around him right now, you can't build with that. Well, one of well, one of the people people that they actually been reported that they can add to this Bulls team is potentially Lonzo Ball. He's been in trade rumors. I saw that. Um, I saw that. Is that a? Movie? I was confused by. Yeah, I I was confused. I'm confused by New Orleans and what they did. I, I'm just confused because there's no way you can continue to play Lonzo Ball with Eric Bledsoe. You Mm-mm. can't. And then you take Brandon Ingram, Zion, uh, and Zion the two players you have and you stunt their game by putting a big clog like Steven Adams in the paint. Like they need room to operate and you clog up the paint with a guy that can't stretch the floor. It just made no sense. I don't understand what they were doing down there in new Orleans. Uh, And then Stan Van Gundy has always been one of my least favorite coaches. (laughs) He just has, I'm sorry. So if they want to move Lonzo, and they want to give them up for maybe a second round pick. I'm not giving you a first round pick. You know, you want a second round pick and Felicio and some other guys. All right, cool. You know, cool. Because what he will do, it, he will immediately improve your defense out front. Immediately. That's the impact, number one. Immediately they get better in the pick and roll in the front Kobe can then look Kobe you can keep him on the floor play three guard offense let him and Zach attack from the wings or you can bring Kobe off the bench and just let him go bonkers with the second unit however you want to do it that would be a nice move that actually would be a nice sneaky move and he fits the profile right long lanky NBA player he can play the point guard he can play the wing a little bit. He's improved his three-point shooting, and he's definitely a much better player defensively than what they pre- presently have at the point guard position. So is it now safe to say that obviously Kobe White is continuing to develop into the you know traditional style point guard that you know the Bulls want him to be? Yeah. But we know that in the end of the day, that's not his true skill set. No. So. Is it time for to, to hang up that that transition card and just be like, hey, look, Kobe, this, trend, this this traditional point guard role ain't working for you. So we want to keep. So we may want to put you more on the bench as a backup to be a boost in that second unit that compared with the Otto Porter, that compared with the Garrett Temple, and really help with that offensive boost. Yeah, uh, at, at the time. You know, the thing that upsets me the most is is that what they're trying to get out of Kobe right now. Is what I said to let him do last year when everybody was like, no, that's why you start Sato. You know, you need a veteran out there. No, we have low expectations. No one expects us to go to the playoffs. This is the season you throw the rookie out there at the point guard position and let him learn. And you start to see what he can do and what he can't do. And then his second year, you can properly allocate the ball game and the system around him or put him in position to be the best player that he can be. Now we're wasting time trying to view his game 
to see what he can do when we had all of last year to do that up until, of course, the pandemic hit. And, you know, that's, once again, the ills of the previous regime and our AK and Mark Eversley are having to deal with that. I would say before the season, if he averaged five assists a game, him being a point guard is, yo, that's, that's, that's what else can you expect? He's not a pure point guard. He's not LaMelo Ball. Like, he's not walking on the court. And if he plays 30 minutes, he's averaging eight to nine assists. He's just not that kid. He doesn't have that feel. The feel he does have is to score. That's the feel he does have. He's a scorer. And you don't give up on a guy like that, but you have to put him in the best position to be the best player that he can be on your team. And I don't think, you know, as the playmaker, I don't think that's the best for him. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to the Sean Davis uh, Sean, transition to the actual NBA as a whole. You got the Eastern Conference. And right now, Philadelphia is on top. And you got Boston right behind them. Obviously, you got your Milwaukee's. And, you know, but Brooklyn and Indiana are in a do- little bit of a dogfight, especially since at the recent James Harden trade yeah. that took place um, with, with the, as, a, as a three or four teams. It was three or four teams. Either way it goes, you know, they made that big trade to get the pieces that they, that they got. And especially Brooklyn, from Brooklyn's perspective, they started off a little rocky because they finally got Kyrie back. Right. And trying to play that big three line together, you know, they're still trying to figure things out. I, I, I believe that it's not time to hit the panic button because, you know, you got – you only played like a, only a few yeah. games together. You're still trying to figure out the system. And not to mention, to me personally, a component that's not being brought up is the fact that you do have a rookie head coach. Steve Nash is your rookie head coach, even though he has great experience from being an assistant coach with yeah. the Warriors, being an NBA player, and having his former coach in my D'Antoni, who coached James Harden. You know, he has the connections there to make this thing work, but he's still a rookie head coach. He's still calling the shots. He doesn't know the full ins and outs of the head coach right. position yet. So with all that taking place, I think you just, you just wait, you play it out, because eventually they're going to work. They're going to figure it out. They know. They know who's the real top guy to go to, no matter what, at any point yeah. in the game, and where they roll right. and go from there. They know yeah. where that where that lies. But people are, are still panicking, talking about get rid of Kyrie and they, they shouldn't and all this other stuff. I'm like, relax, slow down. We just getting this yeah. thing started. <laughs> just wait until the playoffs come around and we'll see what type of damage that they do. What are your thoughts on? those type of hearing those rumors and those statements and how they can make this thing Man, work flat out. I think for the last say what 10 to 15 years, it's been safe to say that the most entertaining postseason basketball has always resided in the rest Western conference. I think this is the year that the Eastern conference steals that mind. I don't know how long they steal it, but the Eastern conference matchups, are going to be absolutely amazing and exciting basketball. I think we have some great series coming up. You just mentioned the teams, Brooklyn. You mentioned the Sixers. You didn't even mention the two-time defending Eastern Conference regular season champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. You didn't mention them. And it's like they're sitting there saying, hey, what about us? We're still pretty good over here. We still have Giannis. Pleasantly surprised. You see the respect what it meant to be able to respect your head coach when you see how Joel Embiid is performing. He's putting up an MVP season. And uh, them, 
not willing, not willing to move Ben Simmons for James Harden. And then the Brooklyn, you know, as you said before, matchups, they go up against the best defensive team in Cleveland. When all three guys get back together, which probably wasn't the best matchup, and they're one of the top five rebounding teams, and rebounding is one of the things that Brooklyn points have to work on, especially when they take DeAndre Jordan out and then they put KD at the five. They get real thin in that paint when it comes to rebounding, and Cleveland was able to go ahead and kill them on the boards two consecutive games and take advantage of that. So you're right. There's no need to push, push the panic button. It's just funny, though. Kyrie took that uh, when KD went to Golden State, I remember they would ask Clay, like, man, what do you think about, you know, your, your shots diminishing? And Clay was like, man, you ain't taking my shots. Like, I'm getting my shots up. And Kyrie took the same attitude. James coming here doesn't change my game. I'm still going to be aggressive. I'm still going to take my shots. You know, and you see in the first three games, he took more shots than anybody on that team. So for them, it's all about meshing not just on the offensive end, but to get a game plan defensively and mesh on the defensive end. And I think in the playoffs, the ability to score is so prevalent, man, because when you're able to go up against the same team in a series and you see them night after night, you're able to lock in a little bit more defensively because you've seen the same sets over and over again. And that bodes well for the better team offensively the longer the series goes. So, yeah, there's no, no reason to push the panic button, but I'm watching before I joined you tonight. I'm watching the first half of Atlanta and Brooklyn. And it, man, I watched that for seven games because the first three games they played each other, the first two up here in Brooklyn and then down in Atlanta tonight, it's just madly entertaining basketball. Smooth, great shooting, great athletes, a little bit of defense is everything you could want in a series and in a matchup. So you're talking about, we haven't even mentioned Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, what that combination has been doing. And the Celtics have been winning and, you know, holding the fort with Jason Tatum being out due to COVID-19 protocols. So when everything comes together, the Eastern Conference might go like six, seven deep with like competitive teams that can actually give you a competitive series. So the only seed that might be open is that AC for the play-in, you know, and then the play-in is going to be competitive. You know, if you have a series between Chicago and Charlotte and you start to add in maybe Orlando or teams like that, even in New York and what they're doing with Tibbs, it's going to be competitive. So I think the Eastern Conference is going to be a blast come springtime. I also find it crazy and interesting how the Miami Heat last year was literally, they went to yeah. the NBA Finals. We this haven't mentioned thirteen. This ain't thirteen yeah. right now. Yeah. So right. it's like all the it's crazy. Like you mentioned, the the competitive nature is there, but it's just so crazy how even right now Cleveland is the number seven team in the East. Mm -hmm. They have the worst offense in the, the league. Worst. Yep. And yet they're sitting number yeah. seven. It's, it's it's crazy how this this season is going to play, and how you talked about the indefiniteness within the Eastern Conference. Who are you ideally seeing? as the top team to come out of that Easter conference going as we start to prepare for this transition period in the second half of the season. Like who, who do you, who do you think you got coming out? Yo, it's all about matchups. It's all about matchups, right? I see Atlanta's game 
works when they play Brooklyn because Brooklyn likes to play fast pace and that works. That's Trey. That's when Trey Young is at his best. Like if you're not going to bog me down and you're just going to let me play free, I can do that. So then Atlanta opens up and they just play comfortable against Brooklyn. That's a matchup. I don't think they can beat Brooklyn in a series, but they'll be competitive. You look at a matchup, the Boston Celtics, if Joel Embiid is being dominant on the inside like that, they went out and got a Tristan Thompson specifically for a guy like that in the playoffs or for a Bam Adebayo who definitely did damage against them in the bubble in the playoffs. It won't matter. Tristan Thompson won't matter because Joel Embiid is just that dominant. And if Joel, you know, then you got what Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench. You got Seth Curry shooting from the outside and Ben Simmons just creating and playing great defense and then you have Doc Rivers, who's doing a fantastic job with that team so far. But we have to see what he's building in the regular season. Does it translate into play, playoff basketball? Will Joel Embiid become happy with the perimeter? Or will he be that dominant guy that was scoring from three levels and getting teams in foul trouble and then in a penalty, which helps out the rest of his team? We haven't even talked about Toronto. I mean, they've been struggling. But if they get on a roll, I mean, that's a team that still can get into a 6-7 seed and give you all the trouble they can in the first round because they have that veteran leadership and they have a length, defensive ability, and they can shoot the three. If they get hot from behind the three-point arc, they can give you problems. Brooklyn, dude, Brooklyn is Brooklyn. I think everybody would say in a playoff series, they would take Brooklyn over anybody period. You know, I don't care if it's Boston. I don't care if it's Philly. I don't care if it's Milwaukee. I think we all would take Brooklyn because I can't trust Milwaukee. I don't know about you. I just can't trust Milwaukee. I've seen everything I need to see from Giannis in the playoffs and, and adding Drew Holiday is one thing, but I just don't think it's enough. Mm -mm. So I, if I had to bet everything right now, make a pick right now today, I'm definitely going to roll with Brooklyn. But like I said, I'm just intrigued by all the different matchups we can see. Yeah, that's true. You talking about why I didn't mention why I didn't mention Milwaukee? I mean, you, you they have no closer. They have no go to guy. I no, can't, I can't trust Chris Middleton. Right. I, Drew Holiday. That's a tall task. He can do it, but that's a tall task. And you where's your and you have no depth. You got rid of right. all your Soldier Farm to get Drew Holiday. So it's like, if Giannis, if you don't develop your game, y'all gonna be just as stagnant as y'all are right now. That's just pretty much right. what it is with Brooklyn, with Milwaukee at this point. But I agree with you. It's Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. With Kevin Durant being your alpha, come on now. Like, that's, that's just have, a gift. You have a, to give them a nod. Yep, you have to give them a nod. Yep. Exactly. And that being said, then let's transfer to the Western Conference because the Western Conference hosts the true king of the NBA, and yeah. LeBron James. And, you know, obviously they're number one team in, in the West. And it's this 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 Western Conference lineup to me is interesting too because you talk about how the East has in depth the West has always been that strong conference mm -hmm. and it's yeah. like they just got even stronger yeah um because not because there's just the top two teams trying to stay afloat but the bottom teams from last year that made big moves to get up to that type of competitive level the yeah. Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul is doing is looking real good right now right. even though they're sitting number seven. They improved from last year by, by bringing in Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, tough guys to help build that, uh, that, that wing and that, that depth. 
with Devin Booker. And DeAndre Aiden has improved as well under uh, playing with Chris Paul. Absolutely. So that Phoenix Suns team is looking pretty nasty. Golden State is staying afloat. They sit number eight right now with Steph Curry going back to MVP Steph Curry. Well, man, look, this was the year, and I know a lot of people, you know, first of all, give us kudos. According to sources, was the first podcast over two years ago that brought up the Dame versus Steph debate. It's in the archives. Everybody's talking about it now. We brought it up first two years ago, and we were adamant about it because, look, Steph Curry was just, I will never say he's, he's lucky, but he split with LeBron that series, right? When they went back-to-back finals, and LeBron didn't have Kyrie and Kevin Love the first time around. Second time around, they win 73 games, and then they lose to LeBron in seven games. Then here comes KD. Like, dude, no one's beat, no one's beating you. So you really, honestly, what have you proven? You went one, you split with LeBron, and KD was on your squad. So personally, you didn't prove anything. You just didn't. So now, honestly, when you look at it, now we want to see Steph. And what I've seen from Steph with this young team the way he talks to James Wiseman, the way Draymond works with James Wiseman and how this young big man, this is why I either wanted him on the Bulls or Lonzo. And I'm pleasantly surprised with Patrick Williams, but hey, those are the two guys I want. I mean, not Lonzo, but LaMelo. Those are the two guys I wanted. What he's done in the show that he's put on, the show he put on, leading that team back against the Lakers last week in the fourth quarter down double digits as much as 22, Yo, you have to give him his flowers. Like, this is what I want to see. I want him, I wanted to see him in a position that we felt like Dame had previously been in with not as much help. Want to see you carry teams and go off. And that's what he's doing. The West, I'm disappointed in a few teams. Uh, I'm disappointed. Dallas is starting to come on. I know Luca was not in shape. Uh, getting Porzingis back from his injury has helped a lot. So disappointed in New Orleans. Just, mm-hmm. I expected New Orleans to be so much better, so much further along, but I get it. Bad decisions with Steven Adams and Bledsoe and adding them to what already was there. Just a bad fit. Uh, Portland starting to come on. Sad to see CJ get hurt because him and Dame were putting in work together. And CJ has elevated his game now to where he's almost right there with Dame. And now they can really come at you. Nurkic gets hurt again, so I don't know what else they can do to keep him on the floor. But like you said, it's the Lakers, Clippers. You know, now you remove Houston, who was always in the mix with James Harden. He's no longer there. But they've been – Silas has done a really nice job with with the guys he has. I don't know if they hang around in that playoff fight. And DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, man. Oh, dude, this dude. And the impact of CP3 on both of those guys. The attitude, right? We talked about earlier, Josh. Attitude and what he brings. Devin Booker already had game. DeAndre Ayton had game. But now you see them playing with a different attitude, a different level of competitiveness. And you see how it's improved and gone ahead and infected everybody on the team from the stars all the way down to the 13th guy in the rotation. And that's what you need. 
you need guys to grab hold to that attitude. And I'm waiting for that in the Bulls, man. But the Western Conference, I don't think it's going to be as good as the Eastern Conference because even more in the Western Conference, just like last year, we got shocked. But we expect to see the Lakers and the Clippers, right? That's mm-hmm. what we all expect, you know. And Denver, Denver can throw a wrench in that. Jokic is playing some, man, Jokic is playing some incredible basketball. I'm talking about a big guy flirting with a triple-double for the year. That's bananas. So, man, the Western Conference, I think it will be as good as the Eastern Conference. I think really competitive, true competitors and contenders, they might go three to four deep, and that's about it. And I really think it's Dallas, Denver, Clippers, Lakers. That's what I'm looking at in the West to really stand out and go ahead and go for that crown in the Western Conference. Yeah, I'm not really too worried about who's going to win it because I think it's pretty simple. LeBron's going to win it again. The um, King. The King. <laughs> I think the King's just going to win it again. It's kind of normal, yeah. kind of a thing now. Um, yeah. But at the same time, th- it seems like this year's team, even with the Clippers improving, because yeah. Clippers improved too by getting, you know, Luke Kennard, Serge Ibaka. Yeah. And, and and I think the having Ty Lewis, the head coach now, really helped smoothing out the cracks that was in Doc River in the Doc Rivers era. Yeah. And they've and they, they've become more responsive to that. And they I think they've learned, at least starting off, you know, that fallout was how nece- unnecessary that fallout was last year and how they bounced back from that. Yeah. But this That's they, the key. They, you talked about that that Serge Ibaka pickup. Even though they lost Trez and a lot of people made a lot of buzz around Trez going to the Lakers and how that would help improve the Lakers. Well, you know, the wings they have, Serge Ibaka is a much better fit on both ends of the court. You know, a guy that can shoot the three, knock down the three, has NBA finals experience, playoff experience, uh, and definitely defends the rim better than Trez. The much better fit next to those two guys. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And it, but it's crazy how even that Lakers team, that championship team from last year, we looked at them and was like, "Hey, they're pretty decent. Like they're right. pretty decent. They can, they can, they, they can for sure win that thing." We right. look at them now like, "Dang, what happened? They just, they just took steroids. Like, God. they got a legit squad." And it's yeah. like, and it's just crazy how even this year, you know, last year was like, "Okay, there's no doubt. LeBron's supposed to get LeBron." You may have some question marks, but especially since Kobe's unfortunate death, it's been a year since Kobe died. So rest, rest in peace, Kobe, Gigi, and the rest of the pe- and the rest of the family members that was on that um, unfortunate, tragic uh, plane crash. But have but since that incident, you just knew, okay, the Lakers are inspired now. They was gonna co- yeah. take over that thing. They was gonna win that title, which yeah. is what they did. Yeah. Now it's like. Okay, we got more to go. Now we got the Kobe effects for real, for real, because we yeah. got one under our belt. LeBron finally got that one under his belt to bring back that relevancy, to bring to add that history, to bring back Laker Nation. And now it's like, you talking about another one? And he made sure that he, he got a squad this year. To roll yeah. with that Laker squad this year is ridiculous. Talk about how well, talk about the difference between this Laker squad and the championship like champion uh, Lakership squad from last year. We just talked about it even with the Clippers, man. A front office that did not rest on their laurels, had the championship and said, we have to get better. We have to put more pieces around LeBron. We have to put younger pieces around LeBron. The performance that Rajon Rondo gave them, it would have been very easy for them to say, okay, Rajon, we're going to reward you and bring you back. 
but they had the guts to say goodbye. They had the guts to go out and make a shrewd move to get a Dennis Schroeder, add him into the starting lineup. I don't know other, uh, another ball handler, just like Rajon Rondo, not as much as playoff uh, NBA finals championship experience, but the aggressiveness, the creativity, and the youthfulness to go out and get 25 in a game, right? Because we saw what he did with OKC, you know, to uh, CP3 last year. You know, he was phenomenal for OKC last year. And you add him, you add Trail Trez to give you that energy off the bench and to allow guys like Kuzma and the other guys on the bench. Then you see the emergence of a guy like Taylor Horton Tucker, who's just been working hard at it, G League, Bubble, working with Phil Tandy, really taking, you know, his craft at heart. And you start to see the manifestation or you see the manifestation of all the hard work. Man, look, they're coasting right now. That's the scary thing, right? Like they're winning games and AD is like pissed off because he's struggling. Like AD's like, man, I'm struggling, but it's cool that I can struggle and we can win games because I've never felt this. I've always had to play well for teams who win and on a team where I can struggle and I don't have to force the issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to force the issue and I can let the game come to me. And that's what it, a team like that affords, not only AD, but it affords LeBron. An opportunity to just flow into the game and just let the game come to them. They can sit back and say, okay, young, young fellas, go get it, go get it. So you're right, man. They're, oh man, that's like another two. And you know what? I'm going to be honest, man. Like you, you younger cats, man. So you guys love, you know, you love the King, you know, look, I'm honest with mine, right? I'm an MJ dude. I, I don't, well, you, I know, don't hide you know me, I'm, I'm like an exception. I mess with King James. That's my, my guy. I still think he's gonna finish as the number two guy, but right. No, no, nobody's putting up what MJ did. Like that's my thing. Like I'm just talking to the youngsters out there that love King James. <laughs> and, I, and I get it. Like I get it. I'm there's no hate for me. I get it. Dude is man. That dude is cold, man. That's a cold-blooded dude. But I don't care if he wins this year and next year nah just enjoy him being him like right now you'll never see another you'll never see another guy like him exactly. and that's hard to say because when mike left we thought we would never see a guy like him and kobe came along so if there's a kid like playing in eighth grade right now that's gonna walk into the NBA in like four or five years. That's gonna be like the next LeBron. That's gonna be scary. Oh yeah, that's gonna be scary. Yeah, because LeBron's just a whole other breed. LeBron's just a whole other breed. Like whole other breed, man. And and that's why and that's why you know me when we have these goat debates, I can't I can't compare. That's completely different, completely different body types, completely different eras of basketball, completely different styles of basketball. It's like, razor thin, right? It's very, razor very thin, thin when you do great, right? It's razor thin. And for me, it's never about 
more championships, more MVPs. No, no, no. I have to see you on the big stage. And what differentiates you is like, I never saw Mike pull what LeBron pulled in the finals against the Mavericks. I never saw that. Like Mike has failed before. He lost to the Magic. Mm-hmm. LeBron has failed before. But I judged them both when they got to the highest level in the NBA final stage. And I don't even take into consideration the teams that LeBron got there that were ill-equipped to right. win. Right. Like that first Cleveland squad against San Antonio, that doesn't count. I'm talking about you got you have Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch, and you're there. And you got a chance to go up 2-0 in and put prime. your foot on the necks of the Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki. And then you go to Dallas and put up 11 points and choke in the fourth quarter. And it's like that right there, I never saw Mike do that. So for me, that's the small little difference when you're talking about those two guys with me. Like that's something that Mike would have never done. Never. And that's the difference to me. That's just the difference to me. Yeah, that's that, that's true. That's, that's all facts right there, man. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to ESPN producer Sean Davis. Sean, you, as we're talking about champions, there's one champion that is a very that is Chicago native. Man, you, you're about to make me home. smile. You're about to make me she smile. Chose, she chose to come home. Candace Parker, <laughs> uh, you know, the news broke out today, re- recording this on a Wednesday. And, and pretty much the word came out before we even started yeah. the show yeah. that she's coming home. And man, that makes me so happy. And 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 and, I'll, and it's not just happy because you know me personally. She's a six three zero native. She came from Naperville. We I'm in the Oswego Aurora area, so you know we got to claim our six three zero representative. Oh, you wait a minute. You like right off? Are you over there off Cass Avenue? No, um, I'm off of thirty four. I'm off of thirty four okay. in Oswego, so we're not okay. too far. We're not too right. far. We played her school back in high school. You know, we played. Right. Them, you know, we played them. So. But she's still six three zero. I gotta represent the six three zero out here. So for sure. So we uh. So of course, aside from the fact that you know she's a she she's coming home for that perspective, it's the fact that the timing was so perfect because she played mm-hmm. out her tenure. She played yeah. out. She did her time in L.A. She's coming to a prime Chicago Sky squad that goes yeah. to the playoffs. That's been that's revamping themselves, and they have a very strong core. And on top of that, what she does for the community, what she does, what she means to Chicago, especially when it comes to women's basketball in Chicago. Yeah. Like, it's such a true multi-dimensional story that is really impact, you know really impact Chicago. I'll be interested in hearing uh, and watching her uh, press conference because, um, and you guys can go watch this, uh, Jay Hood, and his Under the Hood podcast, he interviewed Candace uh, a couple of months before the All-Star game when it was coming to here, here in Chicago. And they joked about how cold it would be. And one of the interesting things I'll never forget from that story was she talked about how happy she was with her career, her college choice, ending up with the Sparks, winning gold medals. But you could tell in her voice the importance that uh, Coach Bruno and the DePaul basketball camps meant to her 
in her development and how close she ended up going to DePaul instead of choosing Tennessee and Pat Summit. And she definitely agreed, and I agree, you know, just seeing how things played out that, you know, being under the legendary Pat Summit was probably the best decision for her. But you could tell she appreciated what Doug Bruno and those camps did for her. And for her to get that opportunity to kind of come full circle and to be able to be on a winning basketball team, not just coming home just to come home, but being in addition to a team that has young talent that's up and coming and can really contend for a WNBA championship, hopefully, that's what makes it even more sweeter. She gets the opportunity to come home and finally play in her hometown and play for our hometown team in front of her folks. Hopefully we'll be able to get in there, get through this pandemic and everybody can come and watch the Chicago Sky because I think it's going to be a fantastic product and kudos to them for making it happen. Kudos to her. I think it's cool. I think now being she doesn't have to be in LA. She's entrenched now in her career as a broadcaster. So she can pretty much live anywhere. She has to travel to get down to Turner Sports anyway. And with everything being via Zoom now, she can still do that, be at home, be around her family. You know, her young daughter has been away from their family. So now her young daughter gets to come home and be around the rest of the family. So I think at this time, it's like the perfect time, not only in her athletic career, but in her personal life to come home and possibly and do something that she longed to do that she thought she missed when she chose Tennessee over DePaul. Yeah, that's a really good, interesting point that you mentioned up there. Shout out to Jonathan Hood, Jay Hood, doing big things over at ESPN as well, especially when now he's doing that co-host show with Dave Kaplan. Yeah. That, 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 Funny that, show. Yeah, hilarious show, man. Jonathan Jay Hood, yep. Yeah, they're doing their thing over there. And for you to bring out that interview, you know, that really does shine light on how much home really is home. No matter where you go, no matter what you do with your career and things of that sort, it's nothing like home. No. It's nothing like home. And for her to admit that and say, you know what, this kind of makes sense for me, especially right now at the perfect time to come home. That's a special thing. That's a special thing for the city and I, and, and for the WNBA as a whole. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what, I think that's one of the biggest things uh, for the, for the WNBA that could ever really happen is reboosting the Chicago sky team with a superstar like Candace, that's willing to come home and play for their hometown team. And we got to, at the same time, acknowledge the work that James Wade has done. He's done an impeccable job to rebuild and revitalize that Chicago Sky franchise. And at the same time, give a shout out to WNBA players as a whole. We should be, we should be supporting these leagues in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. It shouldn't just be, just because, uh, you know, an all-star or superstar comes to your, to your town. No, these are WNBA players that are very talented. They're professionals. They, they, they have a living. They take care of themselves just like other athletes do. And it may not be at the scale as the male professional athletes or the NBA, but there's right. still exciting basketball to watch, exciting talent to, to scout and see. And honestly, the games are fun. It's yeah, actually a very fun family environment to be in. So we should be supporting the WNBA just like we support the NBA. And I think this and, will And we have to not, not only what they do on the court and the product they give us, which is a great product, but look, what we were able to realize in the Senate runoffs, it all goes back to the WNBA bubble 
Exactly. And what the Atlanta Dream team was able, the statement they were able to make when their own owner, you know, when they went ahead and protested against their ownership and how that started the ball rolling. Of course, Stacey Abrams picked up the ball and everybody else that was involved with that movement, not only in the presidential election, but the Senate elections and then the Senate runoffs. All of that started right there in the WNBA bubble and it went from there. So kudos to them for the stance that not only they take on the court with the product they give us, but the examples that they are for everybody, not just young ladies, but for everybody in this country off the court. Most definitely, man, most definitely. Before we get out of here, man, what, what you got coming up uh, with your with your career and next steps that we should be really be paying attention to? Because you you guys are really doing your thing. You, Brian, and the guys are really doing that thing with that According to Sources podcast, man. It's a hell of a hell of a podcast. I mean, I've always enjoyed listening to it. Thanks, and I, you. and um, you guys are doing great things. So what's coming up next with your podcast and even what other endeavors that you got going on in your career that our followers really should be paying attention to? Of course, man, you can go and you can follow A2S Network on YouTube. All of our content is there. You can follow us at A2S Pod 1 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we said we weren't, going, we weren't going to do another podcast until the season got to 20 games in and we can really talk about what these teams truly are. And I'm glad we did wait because now the hardened trade is done and everything will start to materialize right before our eyes and crystallize. And now we can have a real conversation. So we're going to have our first podcast in a long time. Uh, We're going to give us kudos. We have a new uh, segment that we're going to debut, which is Big Mad with BC. If you follow Brian Crawford on Twitter, somebody is always big mad with bc so, <laughs> somebody's always big mad with bc chris and i just sit back and laugh on a daily basis so we're going to allow those people that have been big mad with him over the last couple of weeks to come on and debate the topics on our show head to head with bc have some fun with that and then uh we're definitely going to pay kudos to a guy who we recently interviewed uh at the NBA bubble um, when it was in the, I think at the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals, during the Conference Finals, Sekou Smith joined us from the bubble and we just learned of his uh, tragic passing on yesterday. Uh, he was a mentor to myself personally and a huge friend to uh, Jared Payton when we used to do the Jared Payton show back at uh, IMS going all the way back to 2010. So uh, yeah, that hurt, that hit me yesterday. Like the people, yeah. you know, they could tell you at work, I was kind of numb for about two hours. You know, it just, once it hit, I was no good to anybody. And uh, we had a conversation over Christmas and it's like the fact, you know, this virus is real, bro. Like I don't want to stand here from a pulpit, but I just hope people really can just kind of have love for mankind and human, your next uh, next door neighbor and anybody in your community and just take care of one another. Wear your mask, wash your hands, stay clean, do anything you have to do, man, so we can combat this virus and get rid of it and, and go back to living the life that we're accustomed to living. We know it probably would never ever be the same, but uh, hopefully we'll get back to some semblance of normalcy 
uh, in the coming days. But yeah, that's pretty much it. And I just launched, or I'll be launching uh, Mini Mics, uh, minimics.com. It's a podcast network. Always already have my two podcasts going, which is Mini Mics, uh, the Call Third Podcast. You can go to A2S Network. We already have uh, interviews with, uh, oh my gosh, they're gonna kill me, man. <laughs> uh, oh my god we just have we have interviews with the uh the chicago sun times and chicago tribune chicago cubs and white Sox, russ dorsey and lamont pope i don't know why i just drew a blank there man my guys are gonna kill me great interviews with russ dorsey and lamont pope and i'm also launching uh something locally that people conversations uh many mike's conversations we have conversations coming up with Andrea Horde, who won the 1996 NCAA uh, Slam Dunk College Slam Dunk Championship. Um, played Little League together, were rivals in high school on the court. He had a long professional career over in Europe playing basketball. And we'll talk about his infamous uh, uh, draft process where he was the leading scorer in his conference. He averaged like 28 points a game, um, was killing a Northeastern, down in Northeastern, and um, had an invite to the Moody. That's when the uh, camp was over at Moody Bible Institute. Had an invite, and the day he was going down there to uh, go ahead and play in the games, they uh, called him and said, somebody else took your spot from a Power 5 school. It's a great story, man. It's, it's kind of tragic, but it's a real story. I mean, we're going to release that. And then I have another story conversation coming up with Simeon Rice, uh, childhood friend, grew up on the same block, used to kill him in the street when we played tag football. He had no rhythm. So I'll talk to him about that and dog him about that. Then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened when Frank Linty got him over at uh, Mount Carmel. He turned into a beast. And then we ended up going to the University of Illinois together. We got some funny stories to share about our time down there. We'll talk about the SUV he got two months before the NFL draft and all the buzz around that and why he had to hide it after he bought it. It's like, man, it's just great conversation, man. Just conversation with people that I have a connection to and grew up with that went on to become people and professionals. And so, I have some more in the music realm, comedy realm, B. Cole, guys like that. Uh, D-Ray, a guy that grew up around my neighborhood. So hopefully I can get him. Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> hopefully you can get him. But yeah, many Mike's conversations, man. I think that's the piece we're going to get. And then uh, Church Unplugged. I want to plug that for Mikhail Harris. Uh, no, it's not churchy, but it's conversations surrounding church, social uh, statuses, social things, pol politics, all of that. So that's going to be launching. And also the FAM. The FAM podcast is uh, basically, if you watch the Boomerang and the Black industry and marketing, that is like the uh, NABJ for Black marketers. Mm. It's called FAM, F-A-A-A-M, as an organization for Black marketers, and uh, just like NABJ is for Black journalists. So 
they have a podcast that's going to be on Mini Mike's podcast network as well. So, hey, anybody wants a podcast and you got something to say, you know, you know <laughs> want your producer dancing, talking all up on your podcast, come to Mini Mike's. <laughs> Most definitely, man. Obviously, you got a lot going on, but we'll be definitely keeping touch and making sure that we check in on all the work you got going on. And yeah. I, I, I don't know if you mentioned it or whatever, but you know, put out your put out your personal Twitter handles and social media handles for people to really follow you and check you out. Yeah, you can follow me, Sean Davis at SD Two Mics. That's on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook if you still use Facebook. That's cool. Sean Marcel Davis on Facebook, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Go follow uh, A2S Network on YouTube. Subscribe to it today. And check us out most definitely man and everyone listening you can follow me on social media on instagram and twitter at josh m hicks media and follow we are regal radio war media on all of our platforms more on anchor for all podcast platforms youtube war media you name it because we're doing some big things out here as well and obviously we got we don't have as many big time platforms and podcasts and stuff that you got that y'all got rolling over here right now but most definitely, it's always nice that when we when when the when both families can link up. And hey, man, look, everybody, you, Sid, Ken, uh, everybody at Regal, man, my boy Kyle, means kudos. The work you do is superb. The content you guys roll out is superb. Keep doing your thing. Anything you guys need from the kid, anything you need from A Two West, me, B C C Four. Just let us know. We're always here for you guys, man. Same fight. We're in the same fight. Most definitely, man. Thank you so much for coming on the In The Scope podcast. I really appreciate it. You know we got to keep in touch and link up soon. And maybe one of these days I can slide by one of your, on one of your many platforms and figure out. Hey, uh, man, you can jump you. in. All you have to do is just say something crazy to BC, and you, man, you'll be on the show. <laughs> Seriously, we look forward to having you real soon. We look forward to having you real soon. Josh Hicks will be on A2S real soon. Keep your eyes and your ears open. Most definitely, man. I'm looking forward to it. And of course, man, be safe in this pandemic. Obviously, keep in touch. And thank you, man, so much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you affording me this opportunity, young king. Yes, sir, man. Stay easy. You too.